guys, what's up? Thank you again for tuning in, for watching, for subscribing to Amy Weber Unleashed. I'm really just having such an incredible time with this podcast. And today, um, I have been told that I have a really fascinating guest. And just from hearing him have a little bit of conversation prior to us getting started, I'm excited to jump in and speak to Dave Manley. How are you? Good, Amy. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's, it's really exciting to be here. Thank you. Dave, Man Dave Manley, that just sounds like a stage name. Is that your it, real? It does sound like a stage name. But it's not. And, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I had no idea what Manley meant. And I would be hanging out with my dad as a kid. And they'd always kind of like crack you oh, Manley, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, what does that mean? You know, and, uh, I, you know, finally, you know, getting into adolescence, I kind of figured it out. But, yeah, no, it is not a stage name. And, uh, but. But, you know, it, it's interesting. I haven't met a lot of other Manleys before. I, I don't think I've ever met a Manly. And being in the industry, I've met many people that obviously created their own names. I know I actually, I got married and I had a very long name. So I went back to Weber because people just couldn't pronounce. When there's two consonants in the very beginning of a name, people just get like, the, their eyes glaze over. Like even I was ordering room service and she was like, can I just call you Miss Amy? Because I just, I'm going to, I know I'm going to massacre this last name, which is Jinguarian, which is a very long, every consonant there. Um, so I know that you are really into MMA and um, I love MMA. I, I love every aspect about, about fighting and just the courage that it takes to get into the ring, especially with MMA. I mean, listen, um, not taking anything away from boxing because obviously boxing is an incredible sport and it takes, um, the heart of a lion and, you know, the spirit of who knows what, but you know, MMA is just, you've got nothing protecting you, right? Yeah. You know what, Amy, it, in boxing is part of MMA. It's, it stands for mixed martial arts for those people who are listening and don't know it's a younger sport. Boxing has been around for uh, over a hundred years, a long way longer than that. And MMA is, uh, you know, the UFC celebrated its 25th anniversary a couple years ago, wow. but what people don't understand about these fighters and getting in the ring, cause you'll hear people, Oh, human cockfighting. And, and you know, when the, when the sport was coming up, uh, 10, 15 years ago, it got a very, very, a lot of bad publicity, a, a, yeah. a bad stigma. You know, people would, you know, call it, like I said, human cockfighting and uh, government started getting involved and it wasn't even legal in all the states up until just a few years ago. A lot of people don't know that. Wow. Uh, and now it's legal in, in all the states. But what people don't understand is that some of these athletes, Amy, have been training martial arts their entire lives right. from their from from childhood from four or five years old their dad was the local taekwondo instructor in you know main street you know small town usa some of the fighters are just straight gangster right. and they're just badass street fighters and somebody found them and molded them and that story is brian ortega's story who's fighting for the uh championship this saturday right. that's his exact story he was such a great street fighter that a boxing coach heard that he's kicking everybody's asses but this is just some young punk on the street so he went out and found this wow. guy and and ended up molding him but anyway the point i'm trying to make is that you mentioned the word courage these guys have so much courage yeah. to get into a cage and they're basically i don't you know i don't want to use the hyperbole they're fighting for their lives but they're fighting for everything that they got amy right. i mean financially 
career advancement and they're doing it half naked yeah you know in a little tiny shorts no there's it, no protection there's no, no gloves right. there's nothing and i mean look. there are gloves there are well, four, right. ounce, there's there's four ounce gloves. gloves right but one thing that they're risking out there that is very courageous to me that gets overlooked a lot is there's a very good opportunity that they're going to turn into a meme or get embarrassed for years and years to come with a horrible knockout. Right. And that's got to be so scary. So, yeah, courage, absolutely, 100%. Not, and, yes, I do love the sport. I've been involved with this sport uh, somehow, some way since the U, since before the UFC bought it 25 years ago, I had friends that fought. I've been into martial arts since I was a kid. So, okay. uh, you know, to kind of see this sport grow and be a part of it, I'm just the luckiest guy in the world. It's, you know, I, I, I followed it for a really long time. And, um, you know, I, I haven't followed it for a while, but I saw Conor McGregor, I guess, the other day at the... Uh, at the, he's a right an MMA guy. Yeah, yeah. He's probably the most popular MMA guy, and he's indirectly probably the single cause of why I do what I do. And I'm not a huge Conor McGregor fan. I don't like his antics. I don't like him personally. And I'm right. sorry to interrupt. And you saw no, Conor. No, it's okay. No, I was just wondering, like, you know, um, because, look, you know, boxing, right? They go, they do the weigh-in, and they get in each other's face. And that's all That's all a part of it, right? I, I was a part of the WWE. I understand what sports entertainment is. Um, obviously, you know, MMA and boxing is more sport usually than entertainment, but I understand what needs to happen when they're in each other's faces and saying these things and people are like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? But I'm just wondering, you know, the psychology behind Conor McGregor and, you know, the antics, like, like you said, um, I think you, you named it perfectly and, you know, throwing, um, a drink at, uh, at the singer because he said he didn't like his music. I mean, that was, it just, I mean, that's, that's nothing from what Conor McGregor. I mean, he threw a drink at a singer. He threw a dolly at another fighter on a bus because he didn't like that fighter. And that dolly shattered the, uh, the side of the bus and a, a glass went oh, in the other fighters eyes, cut people. I think three fighters in a, and uh, it was a bus full of fighters going to uh, a media event for an upcoming fight. Conor McGregor didn't like someone on the bus, flew over from Ireland with like a you know bunch of other Irish dudes, got made his way in there, and he threw a dolly into the bus, and it just he just wreaked havoc. So yeah, throwing a drink at uh, Machine Gun Kelly or whatever, dude, yeah. that's 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 a Tuesday afternoon for Conor McGregor. That's nothing. Do you think it, this is something that he's just an angry person, or do I mean you obviously know the sport better than I do, or is this something that he's doing for attention to stay relevant? I mean, well, you know, not to dive deep into the mind of Connor because you know who who, who, who knows? knows what he's thinking, but uh, you know we're talking about him now on the Amy Weber podcast, and other people are talking about him all over the world, and right. and he stays relevant in the news, even I'm, though he has a shattered what ankle? Is that yeah, what? he's got a shattered ankle, mm -hmm. which by the way was shattered against a guy that he just that he was talking all this crazy shit to and when the ankle shattered and the fight was over he's still talking shit to the guy on the mic and the guy's wife as they're walking out of the cage oh so God. this guy is a different animal right. but uh you know as far as like the mentality goes you know fighters come from all walks of life like, like i was talking about but you know their mentality is a, a totally different kind of mentality that i think us civilians can never really no. wrap our brains around you know they fight for a living and right. you know uh, that's not quote unquote normal 
Yeah, not to mention the fact that, listen, I mean, of course, they probably have, look, they have their ancillary products and they, they're they probably diversified in their portfolio in so much as, you know, are they investing in real estate? Are they investing in, you know, um, whatever space that they're in? But um, it is kind of like a pro, they are pro athletes where, um, you know, you're only as good as your last, right, game. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and as you age, you can't stay in this forever. So, um you know, I'm sure it's really difficult because having that mentality, you also kind of have to have that balance. You have at least to have to have someone that you can trust around you that's going to help you take your earnings and, um, you know, turn them into a lifetime of sort of assets that you can live off of. I mean, you're not going to fight in this type of capacity um, in your 50s. That's 60s, right. And one right? thing that, you know, for the for your audience who may not care about MMA and we're still sticking around, we're listening to old Dave Manley and Amy talk about MMA a little bit. One thing that I want to point out to you guys, if you guys are going to dip your toe into, you know, watching the, the sport at all, just know that unlike all these other sports, basketball, football, or baseball, where they have, you know, 10, $20 million contract, multi hundred million dollar contracts or whatever, these guys are just as good as is financially as their last fight. They they lose one in a row that you know, uh oh, we're taking on water. Two in a row, the ship is actually going down. Three in a row, you you might be done. Yeah. And these guys, like I said, train their whole lives. They cannot afford to lose. These guys do not make LeBron James money. Right. You know what I mean? So yes, uh, uh if you were to give it a chance, know that these guys are giving it all that they have and yes they are professional athletes and um you know it's I, I hope that anyone listening right now gives this sport a try with a little bit of an open mind because there's so many awesome psychological facets uh, to the sport like you know kind of we're talking about i mean yeah look i i to have to be able to be a fighter not only you know on your feet but also on the ground i mean yeah. not, that's that that's a that's a, a pure uh, athlete. I know I used to race motorcycles and of course I didn't race perfect. You don't have that in your notes. No, I don't have my, <laughs> my notes. I got some um, Weber notes. I, know. I, I missed that one. Dave Manley came in with notes and I was so excited because I'm like, Oh my gosh, he did some research and I can't wait to see what um, he wants to find out about me. But I used to race motorcycles. My sister turned pro and it was a similar situation where look, obviously I was young. I wasn't relying upon this purse money, right. Per race, um, to, to get by, but it is a similar situation where, um, yes, you do have sponsorships, but it's nothing like the NBA or, you know what I mean? I'm not even close. NFL, nothing where, you know, even if you're hurt, you're still basically, you know, collecting that, that cash. Yeah. You know, a baseball player strikes out four times in one night. You know, guess what? He's going to play again tomorrow. And my husband gets so, it's so funny. My husband's not a sports guy. He's a motorcycle. He's, a, he's an engine guy. And he's like, you had one job. You had, you literally had to punt the ball. You had one job to do. He gets so mad. I'm just like, you don't even know what football is. And you're so angry at the sport punter. Like he has so much pressure on him that yes, that is his one job, but you know, it's like, Oh yeah. Poor dude. Well, you know, we have a mutual friend in John Orlando and, uh, you know, you want to talk about you yelling at a punter because you have one job. Talk about if you have a couple hundred bucks on that game <laughs> and that punter drops the ball. Oh, it's a whole different kind of angry oh, than your husband funny. gets. Oh, my yeah. God. I throw up in my mouth every single Sunday when someone fucks up. <laughs> do you uh, do you play fantasy football? Are you betting? Uh, I bet on yeah. all, I bet on pretty much uh, all MMA and football. Those are my two things. MMA mostly, but uh, yeah, you know, as a lifelong gambler, you know, when when so, when the punter or the one guy who has just like one job doesn't do his job, yeah, that's uh, the TV <laughs> goes out the window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How funny! How do you? Uh, I mean, what do you base your 
I mean, not that you want to give away your secrets, but when it comes to MMA fighters, I mean, are you looking at their training? Are you looking at their trainers? Or what, what is it that goes through your mind when you think I'm going to put my money on this particular guy? Oh my gosh, that is such a, that's a, such a long answer. Okay. I mean, and we could go into, you know, all kinds of gambling, uh, I, uh, uh, philosophies and stuff like that. But, um, you know, generally speaking, you're looking at matchups, you know, matchup A versus matchup B is Matt is guy a, a great striker and uh, guy B is a great, uh, great on the ground. And what's their takedown defense? Okay. What's their, uh, strike defense. And I get, you know, kind of real analytical with it. Is it arm length uh, even? I mean, are oh, you yeah. looking, you're oh, looking yeah. at it's, all of that. Uh, oh yeah. High the reach, all of that. Yeah. You want to diagnose as much as possible. If you're going to put your hard earned money on Joe Blow, right. you want to make sure that Joe Blow is who you think he is. <laughs> and yeah. Sometimes they it just doesn't show up and it doesn't happen. I guess that's like, you know, what it is for anything that you bet on. Yeah, everyone the, has an off day. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, look, right. I can talk forever, but every now and then podcast, I'm like, uh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, bit. yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it's all, it makes it a lot more fun to, to have a wage on. But what makes it really fun, Amy, is when a guy that I know personally and that I've worked with for a long time or whatever that I have a relationship with. Yeah. It's a lot of fun when you go, when they're fighting uh, and I'm watching. Especially you know, guess, if they win, so, right? Oh, that's, it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's just a lot of nervous energy. A lot of just, it's just awesome. I have two guys that I work with uh, that are fighting this Saturday and, you know, co in the co-main event and in the main event. And uh. it's just really exciting. Work with meaning you've done their bobble. Yeah, I've done their bobbleheads. I made their models and and uh, got to know them because I, I work with all the fighters when I when I when I make a bobblehead out of them. So for those of you guys who don't know, I I, I make a high end artisan bobbleheads out of MMA fighters and on the uh, for face value on the scratch of the surface, it may not sound like that's a big deal because I think people have a um, like a preconceived idea, a, a preconceived yeah. notion on what a bobblehead is. Sure. And um, I, I think immediately goes to like that super cartoony, fun bobblehead. Or that like you the get little free. hula girl that's yeah, in the yeah, car. Yeah. Right? And generally pe people think it's the free kind of thing that you get at the, at the ball game. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, mine aren't like that, except they kind of are, but they're just really um, highly handcrafted and painted and real artisan and are you drawing them yourself uh no i okay. don't th there's not really drawing involved there's but nothing the, like that like no carving or anything involved um for on for you for me there's a lot of different artistic techniques that go in, but not really carving traditionally, not to get in like the history of bobbleheads and how bobbleheads are made, but a lot of people do carve bobbleheads out of, out of clay. Okay. Um, but um, so when I started making these bobbleheads with fighters, one of the ideas that I had was why do bobbleheads always look the same for the last 50 years? Right. Like you never, you never know who this you could super, is. you could take one head off of the other. I mean, yeah, they just, the stance was always the same. Everything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's everything, the pose is the same and there's no distinction between the two. And some of these athletes, Amy, in all sports have glorious moments. 
Yeah. Like moments of absolute glory that get our grandchildren, charged, right. you know, they sing songs about these, the catch, right. the throw, the tag or even out. It makes me think about like, even like, it makes me think about Karate Kid. Do you know, like, remember yeah, like when he was kick. literally the crank? Yeah. <laughs> you just think about that pose and you think like just the moment that came after that was yeah. just this victorious. Now imagine if that was like a real thing, right? The Karate Kid was a real thing. And this is exactly what I'm talking about now. Yeah. Imagine the Karate Kid was a real thing with the crank kick and he won the big match with the crank kick and the, and someone came out with a Danny LaRusso bobblehead and he's just standing there with his hands up <laughs> right. and he's just kind of like facing you. No knee like, up, nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This bullshit. Right. <laughs> Where's the crank kick? Yes. That's what Danny, and, and that's what it was like for, you know, Tom Brady and 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 Jeter and all these great athletes right. in the past Joe Montana. They're just holding the fucking ball. You know, it was like, yeah. where's the, you know, the, the, big, the big moment. Yeah. And uh, so not only was there not any bobbleheads made for MMA, but there wasn't any bobbleheads in any sport made out of the big moment. Right. The specific moment that basically made history making moment. Yeah. And then so that's where I came along and I'm like, this is not right. I and saw one of your bobbleheads before you came in. And it's interesting because when I was in the WWE, they had already scanned me for my action figure, which is a little different, obviously, than a bobblehead and for the video games. And it never came to fruition because I ended up walking away from from that without signing my contract for for many reasons that's a whole other show but um someone decided to make my action figure and I, I saw it on Twitter and I was just like oh wow I mean you think it's this easy I mean yours are so just the face right <laughs> yeah. it's just you just captured it, it it's that person you're not going to mistake it for any other fighter yeah right even if someone looked identical very similar um it is just so specific artistically it's they're really incredible thank you thank you thank you so um when i first started um about when I first had the idea of, it was actually five years ago, I had the idea last month. So I'm kind of celebrating the idea anniversary, which was a big moment in my life, Amy. Mm -hmm. Actually, it was a life-changing moment when I had this idea. It was a very aha type of moment. And um, when I had that moment, I thought, uh, you know what? I'm going to make these things like the best ever that because I want to show honor to these guys. Yeah. Um, and I want to really make sure I memorialize them and capture these wonderful moments for the sport that I love and not a, a lot of people do. How do the athletes, how do they react when they see? I mean, it must be pretty cool for you. Pretty cool moment. You know, Amy, it's the coolest moment. It's the coolest moment. You know, being a guy who was a massive fan and defending this sport and uh, not even telling people that I enjoyed this sport because I knew that once I was bellied up at the bar and the guy next to me says, oh, you see that football game? And I'm like, eh, I'm not really in a, or basketball game. I'm not really into basketball. And what are you into? If I, if I, said MMA, I already know the Dukes are coming, not physically, but I already know I'm gonna have to start defending mixed martial arts right. to men, to women, to old, to young. So I just kept it in the, it was like a dirty secret. Yeah. And a lot of old school MMA fans are like that. So from going to that, to having like a life-changing idea that came really out of nowhere sitting in my office at, at my desk, 
to being in front of your sports superheroes. Yes. Which really is true, like for me. And, you know, I'm an older guy, yeah. but I look at some of these older guys as like, you know, like a kid would look at Jordan or yeah. a kid would look at Kobe or whatever. I look at these guys like that. So f for me to not only get to know these guys a little bit personally and to go with the over the artwork with them and kind of get them involved or whatever, but then to present them with the final product. I mean, it's really, really powerful for me. It's like, you know, I, I, I get a little bit choked up even, yeah, even sure. now yeah. because it's just like, man, what did I do to deserve this? Aww. And you, you, it's not like I, and by the way, by the way, I'm not saying that I luck boxed my way here. No, I worked, you worked damn hard. I worked hard. really, really yeah. hard and I made a lot of mistakes and I fell down a lot and it cost me a lot of money and I'm still making mistakes. Yeah. And, uh, but you know what? At the end of the day, you keep putting your foot forward and the next thing you know, you're in front of your sports hero looking at what you created of him and him smiling at it and touching it and pulling out his phone and taking photos of it so he can show his wife and his wow. kids. And yeah, it's very, very gratifying. You know, I love this because um, I know that you have another, I think John said that you are also maybe a financial, you're in finances. Um, I was going to ask you about the Fed's decision day, but I'm enjoying this at the MMA more. But, um, you know, you have such a clear why. Right. And I think so many people, um, I started homeschooling my kids. It was a really hard decision to make. And I made it right before the pandemic really hit. And I guess it was sort of born out of that, but also just born out of, I needed to make sure that I could foster in them what their why is, right? Because if you don't have a reason, like a really compelling reason to get up every morning, no matter what, and give something your all, no matter how many times you fall down, the mistakes that you made, the money that ends up, you know, not wasted, but, you know, uh, not going the way that you wanted it to, but you still get up right? I need my, I wanted my kids to make sure that they found that for themselves. I wanted to make sure that I exhausted everything that they might be interested in. Like my daughter is an artist and, um, we're, she's writing her first children's book at 12, That's which is awesome. really cool. And look, she may not end up doing that for a living, but I want to give her those opportunities to start a business for them to fail, you know, at this age, they can kind of figure it out. But I love people that you have your why. You have more than one why, obviously. But the, I just, I, I can feel it coming off of you, just how excited you are about this endeavor. And it's, it's, I'm, it's, I didn't know that the, the athletes were actually involved in the process. It's the only way I'd do it. And just to comment on what you're saying right now, want and desire, is, it's not enough, Amy. Yeah. It's not enough to everyone wants. Everyone wants to be rich. Right. Everyone wants financial freedom. Everyone wants the big house on the hill. Not a lot of people are willing to do what it takes to get there. And in order to kind of reverse engineer that, you need the why. Right. You need to get up out of bed in the morning. You need to get up off the ground when you just got kicked in the belly and you're hunched over in the fetal position. And then life comes and kicks you in your jaw. That's the difference, I think, between me, say, in this business and a lot of people who have wonderful ideas. Yes. My idea is not that great, Amy. <laughs> it's not. I'm not changing the world with this right. crazy idea. I fucking make bobbleheads. Right. But I was not going to stop. 
Yes. And I was not going to quit. And you can punch and kick and knock me down. And it's just, you know, I'm, I will run through a wall because of the why. And my why is my goal in life. And I wasn't achieving. I never knew any way to the road to get there or whatever was to do something in the MMA field. Right. Something. I'm a professional advice giver. Yes. And I, and I, and I advise people on their money, which is like the most sacred thing that people can have. Yeah. You know, it, it produces freedom, it's security, you know, I, you know, it's what we go to work for and stay in traffic for and what we plan on passing down to our children generationally. So people have a lot of trust in my advice. It's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of responsibility. And I handle a lot of money. Yeah. Lots and lots of tens and tens of millions of dollars I handle daily. And nothing got me more excited than working in MMA, doing something that had nothing to do with what I chose as a professional career. You sound like me. I'm literally a broker. I'm like selling like $20 million houses, like celebrity. But I fly to Vegas to do a podcast because yeah. I felt like... Man, I just got the shit kicked out of me. I mean, just the shit kicked out of me from the time I was, I can even remember. And then I just, I got up and I kept reading books and I didn't give up and I wanted to kill myself, but I didn't do it. It was just like, and now I'm here. And it's like, you know, I'm flying to Vegas to do this podcast. And I literally, I get, I'm on, I can't even stand flying. And I literally cannot wait to step foot on that jet to get here, to share this human experience with other people in the hopes that um, one, two, I don't know how many people are going to hear this and they're going to realize, uh, you know what? I'm not going to give up or I'm not going to kill myself or she made it through it. And, you know, she was successful and she had all the odds against her. So, um, I understand you. I, yeah. I yeah. Really yeah. Do. And it's a great testimonial to doing what makes you happy. Yes. And pursuing your dreams. Right. Even though we're not 20 years old anymore, or we have a comfy career, a lucrative position doing something else. If yes. it's not making you happy, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. And I say, you know, I tell this to my children who are 12, I have twins and I say this all the time. I say, listen, um, when my cup is overflowing, okay, it's not overflowing with money. It's just overflowing with the happiness that I get by coming and doing something creative because I'm a creative person. Um, I'm so much better at everything in my life. So you're much better at handling someone's money because of the effects that this gives you. That's right. Yeah. And does that mean that that makes me happy? Absolutely not. Right. So you have to take, you know, for those of you listening out there, you know, and who are kind of on the fence on what you're doing in life or what's going on in your world or you're trying to pursue this small business and it just ain't working out. You know, you, you got to ask yourself, it, it, you know, what is making you happy right. and not to get all cliche because life is short and, you know, coming out of COVID and we've known people who've gotten really sick, if not pass away and all this stuff. But the bottom line is if you are doing something that is not making you happy, that is not fulfilling you, where you can't 
wait to get out of bed. You can't live without it. Right, yes. Right. You, you can like, like I can't wait to get out of bed, Amy, when I'm, when I'm working on a project, I, I can't wait to throw the sheets off my body <laughs> when the sun just starts peeking through and get up and just tackle it and go and kill it. If you're not there and you're just doing what you're doing with, 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 for money, yeah. get out, get out, get out. Stop. You're existing. You are existing. Right. You are not living. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got to just stop. And, you know, that's kind of where I'm at now in my professional life, you know, yeah. because I, you know, I'm being, I'm so, I'm running so thin personally, not to get, turn this into a, a therapy session, but you know, it's like, man, you need money to survive. And sure. I get that. But, um, you, you know, if you can break the chains and run freely yeah. to, 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 to what is you're passionate about, then uh, I think that's where you want to be headed. That's the road that you want to be down. Yeah. And uh, look, I think I, le I learned late in life. I mean, look, we can live very happily uh, and, and, and very securely with much less than what we think we need. Right. I mean, all this flexing that's going around lately with, you know, houses and cars and money and social media. It's just like, um, I don't know that you can define that as happiness. I know you have to, everyone has to figure out for themselves what happiness really is for them. But um, again, you know, like you said, that that just that overwhelming feeling, um, you can't stop smiling, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, if you're not in that, and I know it's scary, I know it is uh, to make a change, but uh, do it now. Because no. uh, tomorrow is not promised. I know that having cancer twice. Yeah. There is no guarantee that tomorrow is going to be there for you. And um, if you think that, you know, oh, I'm, you know, providing for my, I have to do this, I have to do that. You're going to be a better parent. You're going to be a better partner. You're going to be a better friend if you are doing something that fills you up as a human being. That's right. Yeah. And you're going to be a better you. Yes. Which makes the whole world a better place, honestly. Right. I feel like there's a song coming on <laughs> between Dave and I. Yeah. So, Dave, I want to get to your questions. What have you? Did you? What are your notes about me? Is, uh, well, you know, I was just—I don't—I didn't write down questions per okay. se. I just, you know, just wrote some notes down on you know things that you talked about in your podcast because uh, I hadn't heard your podcast before this morning, and I, I listened to a couple of them and. Uh, I just thought that your tenacity for life and your overall world vision was very inspirational. And I thought, you know, a couple of just the notes that I made is like, you know, I really thought that you never know when you're going to impact someone's life meaningfully like that taxi driver did for you. Oh my gosh. And, 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 and it just is a, testimony to being a good person yeah right and that taxi driver when you talked about that taxi driver my heart melt my heart melt here's this guy you described him as a uh uh immigrant immigrant is an immigrant uh from the middle east and he doesn't need to do shit nope. for anybody but here he is seeing some another human being you know having troubles and he's going out and look at you know, 30 years later or whatever, we're, we're talking about them. Right. So I just thought, you know, wow, what a, what a interesting concept, a phenomenal, powerful concept of just helping someone out. And not understanding really, I mean, you're talking about like paying it forward. Um, you don't know the impact right. that you can have on another human being's, the trajectory even of their life. Um, I don't know what I would have done without this, 
without this man. Um, I mean, he just made it possible for me really to survive. Uh, I was at the lowest point besides, you know, my childhood. And I, it's just, I just felt like I had someone that had my back. Yeah. Total stranger had my back. And so, you know, again, you know, it's like we say, it's cliche to smile at someone. I know someone flipped me off the other day. I don't know why they flipped me off. I don't even know what I did, but they flipped me off. And so I decided just to blow them a kiss because, um, in LA, I mean, that might get you shot. (laughs) That might get you shot in L.A. <laughs> Actually, he d- he didn't really know. I like, get the point. Like he wanted me to be angry, but because I wasn't angry, and I didn't even do it in a smart ass way. I I really just was like, okay, I'm just gonna blow this guy a kiss because, and he's like, and he's kind of la. You know what I mean? It just did that anger. I saw it kind of dissipate from him, and not that that's always going to be the case. But um, look, I leading uh, with kindness for me is is definitely the way of the future. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of when you were talking about in one, the podcast too about driving from Pasadena and Encino all, you know, all crazy and yes. you know flipping people off and honking your horn and stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you can't be doing that. You can't be flipping people off. I mean, yeah, not I thought in, my kids were going to unthaw. Yeah. <laughs> I was like freaking yeah, out. Right. I had frozen embryos in my my passenger seat all seat belted in and I was just, I'd gone through so much to have these embryos like, uh, yeah, and I lost so many kids. I just, yeah, you're right. I mean, look, I just got pulled over for the first time in probably 25 years by a motorcycle cop. I knew better. I drive a Tesla. I'm trying to be a good person and, you know, not contribute to the, you know, carbon emissions <laughs> into the, our environment. We have this one little planet that we, we are killing. But um, I went into the HOV line and I'd forgotten that I don't have my stickers on my car yet. But I was just like, okay, I'm still, I'm, I'm a Tesla. I should be able to be in the HOV, whatever. So he pulls me over. He's like, so, I was like, oh gosh. So I'm, I'm having to go through traffic school. Have you done traffic school? Not since. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I haven't done traffic school, but um, I'm really paying attention to it because it's this improv traffic school and they're not a sponsor, but um, they're, it's really funny. Like they make it in a really funny way. And it's actually, um, it changed my whole perception about driving. It really did. Not to say I'm a bad driver, I'm, but I am a more of an aggressive driver. And I just realized like every person that you pass, you are risking an accident. I yeah. mean, it's just, and, and uh, I know statistics show that even if you pass someone, I think it's going to save you what, a minute and 20 seconds. I mean, is that a minute, and 20 seconds worth your life, someone else's life? Um, I mean, I used to race motorcycles, so I am a bit of a fast driver, not with my kids in the car. My husband is listening. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, gosh, people have gotten, um, so unhappy and so aggravated and so angry lately. Yeah. Amy, you know, I'm born and raised in LA too. And you said that you live in LA for all you guys out there living, you know, in a, not a huge metropolis like LA, LA is no joke, man. I mean, L.A. is like Mad Max beyond Thunderdome. I mean, it's Meets crazy. Frogger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's a wild time out there. But the one thing that L.A. has is the anger. Yes. My God, people get angry. So I, you know, I moved from L.A. to San Diego. I live in like a small, sleepy little beach town right now. It's like, you know, people it's like you go, no, you go, <laughs> no, you go. You know what I mean? Oh, so it's so like everyone funny. just kind of cruises. And yeah. So I go back to L.A. I'm like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough driving in LA, especially lately. Again, like people have their patients are they're gone. Yeah, uh, for sure. 
So um, are you working on any uh, bobbleheads right now? What is next for you? Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm constantly working on, I'm constantly working on bobbleheads. Uh, uh, the thing about these bobbleheads is that they take a long time to make. And um, so I'm working on new fighters that are coming out like next summer. So, so how long does it take from concept to completion? Well, okay. So the interesting part of this business and being little Dave, single guy trying to get this business off the ground is how in the world do you contact superstar fighter to get a bobblehead made like when you think about that you want to make a something out of some famous person right and you're just like normal everyday civilian joe like how do you, do you pick up the phone call 411 right I'm totally dating myself does 411 even exist um <laughs> I, I mean you can't even i mean what do you do what do you do yeah hey uh michael jordan Man, there's a, you know no you know so it is a long process on the front end to get squared away with the athlete in order for them to say yes to 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 start wow. and um you know that's probably one of the hardest things that i do um uh, that people don't see like right. total behind the curtain uh, talk right now i mean you know like i just released a, a bobblehead uh, a couple a few days ago the one that you just saw out there and um I was at a buddy's house a, a, a two days ago, and he's like, "So, you know, what's the reaction that you're getting from the bobblehead? You just made the big, big release, the big announcement, you yeah. know, the big, as the kids say, the big drop." And uh, I'm like, "Man, I have, no, I have no idea. I have no idea. I think people from pri my private messages where people have my personal stuff, um, it, it sounds really good, but I don't look on the internet." And he's like, "Why would you?" I'm like, "Because there's so much hate out uh, there, yeah. so much negativity that it really bums me out, Amy." Like, like now it's more like a like small paper cuts than like a stab right in my belly. But um, because I'm sensitive, you know, I have high anxiety about releasing these things. First of all, I want to make sure that the fighter loves it. And then the fighter has millions of fans. So I want to make sure like they love it, too. And I'm trying to, you know, stay alive and have a business. and I'm trying to sell them. And it's just me. I have a whole nother career. So it's a lot of shit going on. Right. Wow. And so um uh, what the hell was I talking about? So I was talking about releasing the bobblehead and how long it takes. Yeah, yeah. How long it takes. So anyway, I released it. And so my friend's like, you know, you don't, how can you not look? So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to look this morning. So about an, about two hours ago, before I came here, I started looking at the comments, and you know a lot of them are really good. But of course, there's like that the, the uh, negative. Oh, his hairline's too far back. Oh, his eyebrows are too curved. Oh, uh, this something like that. So. Um, so that really, uh, that really kind of sets me back emotionally, but, uh, people don't realize how hard it is to make these things. So I'll, I'm always like, oh, mother, you make it, you make it then you make it with a lower hairline, cur more curved eyebrows then dude, you, you, you get in touch Dana with Daniel White, yeah, right? you get in touch with Daniel Cormier. Why don't you try that? See how hard that is. You find is. their sports agent. Right. Exactly. You know, do you have a blue check mark? Exactly. Right. So, um, <laughs> yeah, which I don't have a blue check. Mark, I do. I'll hook you up. Okay, yeah, please <laughs> help me. So uh, anyway, once that once that starts, um, once they say yes, and then then we go then we go to work, and then you know we start sketching things out yeah. and drawing things out, and then making things digitally. It's, it's a long process, um, but then uh, from there, at the end of the day, it takes about five. 
five or six months. Wow. Yeah, yeah, five or six months. Uh, you know, you just can't turn these things out. They're limited. They're numbered. Oh, they are. They're limited. Yeah, they're limited. I only make a thousand. Sometimes I'll, I'll do spe- like my last one. Is it like, are you going to do NFTs? Are you going to non fungible? No, I have no idea how that works okay. or, or or that the whole. John Oak co- can hook you up with that. Yeah, he was telling me about it. And <laughs> I, I just don't really get the concept of paying a lot of money for something that's not tangible. Right. Uh, and you know, it is what it is. I, I guess a lot of people like that, but um, no, mine are limited. They're numbered. Um, you know, I try to make them as collectible as possible. So when I work with these athletes, Amy, the athlete is along for the ride for the design. I don't go to phase two without them saying yes to phase one all the way with each phase. And then at the end, the, the fighter writes a note to their fans that I stick in the box oh my that is a personal note just to let all the fans know that, hey, yeah, the, you know, Daniel did have something to do with this bobblehead or, yeah, yeah, he was involved with this bobblehead. And I always thought that was the kid in me with this idea because I always thought, um, wouldn't it be cool to really know that these shoes that were signed by Kobe Bryant on the shoe box, on the Nike shoe box, right. that these shoes were really designed by Kobe? I, you know, I, you're buying the Kobe 10s or whatever, the LeBron 16s or whatever. How much did LeBron really have yeah. to do with this design? You don't know, but his signature's on the box. And then so I thought to myself, well, what if I made a product in which you not only know that they were involved, but they're going to write a, a, a special note right. to to you, the fan, yeah. and thank you for buying the product. So some of these fighters, they'll write, you know, I say write whatever. So some of these fighters will, you know, write very, you know, short, simplistic, <laughs> hey, thanks. Thanks for being my fan. Right, cool. Right. Thanks for remembering this knockout. Felt good. Yeah. You know, and then they sign it. And then some guys write, you know, three paragraphs. Huh? You wow. got to start early gotta wake up early uh, <laughs> you gotta you know get your mind right you know and then like they a graduation talking. speech I, <laughs> yeah, love yeah, it. But I love it because but i have so much respect for you because do you know how many people have stolen my photos and then they made fan pages and they're trying to profit off of it and here you are like just doing everything right dave you really are thank you so much you know what it, it you, i'm coming from the perspective perspective of a fan i'm a fan and that and that's all i want i want to honor these guys and 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 give other fans something unique and cool and that's all i'm trying to do um and and you know hopefully it continues to to work out and i listen i love the whole mma talk but i i want to ask you just briefly because you know the feds did come out right today this affects me because it affects real estate and it affects my my interest rate so um they are saying correct that they're going to go ahead and hold and not make any decisions uh but about um interest rates where do you see our future what's going on so I hate to be like the wah, wah, wah guy, yeah. but uh, with my job, Amy, I can't really talk publicly about okay. finance yeah. uh, with the SEC and the regulations and yeah. things like that because you know someone might take my what Advice, I say right now. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so there's a lot of very strict rules with what I, have I disclosures, do. Disclosures, listen, even if I'm not working with certain like lenders or escrow companies, if they're associated with our company, we have to disclose the fact that they're associated and if I quoted this rate and they don't 
don't get that rate, even though I'm not their lender. So I totally understand. Look, me personally, I'll just go ahead and say my opinion because there's nothing that can happen to me. Um, people are asking me about a bubble. I do not foresee a bubble in, in the real estate market um, specifically. Um, but I do believe there has got to be uh, some type of change. I think we have been going on this bullet train for a really long time, and there's going to have to be some type of correction. Now, how I don't think it's going to be a whiplash correction, in, in my opinion, um, and you know we can talk about it later. But um, I think that uh, if you're smart and um, you have a good guy like Dave here watching over your money, you're probably going to be safe no matter how the market, bearish, bullish, wherever we go, I think you'll be good. You know, I'll say, I'll say this one thing. If, if we're going to talk just uh, briefly about finance, I'll talk conceptually really quick, okay? Because I have a lot of clients of mine that have no idea where their money went. Wow. When I say where their money went, I'm not talking about big picture. Where did my $100,000 go? I can't believe I invested in ABC company and the money's gone. No, I'm talking about my client who makes $120,000 a year and they have 5,000 in their checking account and they have massive amount of debt. They have really not much savings and, you know, and, and they've been making good money like that for many, many years. Okay. That's what I mean by where their money went. Okay. And, um, just conceptually speaking, you know, and I'll just kind of wrap it up with this is what I tell all my clients, whether you're brand new, getting married at 24 years old, or, you know, you're, you're a little bit older, whatever you got to pay yourself first. Okay. So yeah. that, that, that's the concept that I'll just briefly talk on, you know, since you brought this up and maybe this will help somebody out there that, that that's listening. Everybody has this mindset where, you know, money comes in and the first person they pay is Best Buy with the TV target with, you know, the whatever tchotchkes or the Dave and Busters or the night on the town. And you have to think about yourself as the CEO employee of you. Right. And the first person who gets paid is you. Yes. And every, I see a lot of people who have that completely twisted. They pay everybody else and then whatever's left over. They save. They pay themselves. Right, right, right. Whatever's left over and there's nothing left over. Oh, well. You got to take the chunk of money and put it somewhere specific right. first. Yeah. And then you pay whoever you pay. Right. Then you go out to, and that just conceptually, that's a very strong concept right. that people need to grasp, understand, and, and take action on. Yeah. So that you know that that'll be my my big finance. No, I talk. love that. Look, I look again. It's it's to me. It's a lot of flexing. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses, right. whatever it is. Like, oh, they got a new curved TV. I've got a new curved TV. But you're right. Listen, I I was teaching my children about compound interest the other day and really trying to help them understand, um, you know, about forming a corporation and why you do that and taxes and. It's just uh, there's so much that people didn't learn and they don't want to learn. And, you know, they I, I appreciate them living. But at the end of the day, like you said, um, if you don't put yourself first, then 
there's no one to blame but you when you wonder where all your hard-earned money went. Right? Exactly. Yeah, and it's it's not fair to yourself when you pay everyone else first and you pay yourself last because right. you might not have enough to pay yourself. Right. Right? And it, it's a real sad state when still today Kids, high school kids, they have no idea what a 401k is. They have no idea what fed rates are. They have right. no idea how the stock market works. A lot of these kids have no idea. Or what even the, interest. Uh, how, interest, right. checking account, savings account. Yeah. It, you have no idea un unless someone tells you about it. Because, sure. I, you know, I know I didn't really learn this kind, these kind of concepts in high school, maybe not even in college. Right. You know what the difference between uh, these instruments are versus the, the other instruments. Even life that insurance. Uh, even yeah. like, like, you know what I mean? A whole life and term I mean they're, they're so different and people can suck you in and I'm teaching my kids all at 12 they literally know more than most people do when they're graduating with a you know 40. I bet you nine out of ten people don't even know what whole life is I mean, what do you mean what, what is this you're talking about life insurance like right. what do you I, what you mean when I die uh, you know there's money someone gets paid like no one has any but the thing is is that legacies and generational wealth is created by not only protecting you but protecting your future income and yes yeah see i can i can get rolling i know this. you I can, can i know me too shit. and yeah. the next thing i know my <laughs> compliance officer is going to be no, calling no, no. me and so is that no. hey dave great podcast uh no, no. come into my office sec forget this come to my oh office my but yeah no you're right life insurance 401k interest rates compounding annuities, interest annuities mm -hmm. yeah, you, you stock market on yeah on. on and on and okay, on okay that's a whole other show but yeah um but you've been such a joy to have thank you so much yeah thank you so much for coming on and and enlightening me and um, just great respect for you sharing that you know you had this thing that it's scary right it's scary to do something when you're doing something look your job is very um, I think black and white and linear and then to do the bobblehead thing is just so creative <laughs> right there is a business aspect to everything but they're the creative process um, that is it's a hard thing to basically be like I'm, I'm gonna do this shit Right. I mean, if everyone, no one's cheering me on about this and I could potentially fail, but I just, I have to do it. There's something in me, right. That's just, you know, pushing me forward to do this. And you know what that is, Amy, is we're circling back on Amy's rule. Number one, that if you want something bad enough, you don't give up. Right. Right. If you want something bad enough, you, you don't give up. As long as it's within reason, you know, I see a lot of people not giving up on, on things that are just unattainable. Oh yeah. Which Amy brings me to Amy number three, point number three, okay. to get a second opinion. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, some people out there, they do need their second opinion because they're they're jaded. They have their uh, blinders on to this thing that just isn't going to work. Yeah. And they may be married to an, a thought or an idea or a concept or a business that just isn't going to work. You're just, you're just not going to be successful at this thing. Right. And you need somebody to shoot you straight, right. right? And you need these second opinions. I know that when you were talking about second opinion, you're talking about like medical and I'm talking about business, but um, you definitely uh, need support, but you need truth. Yeah, you can't surround yourself with a bunch of yes men. Right. I mean, look, I mean, there has to be someone that you trust that is going to tell it to you straight. Yeah. And you know what, Amy, you have to ask for that because a lot of people, they want to help you. They don't want to hurt you. And they, and a lot of people want to tell you what you think, what they think you want to hear. Yeah. And that's not fair to you. And so that's why, you, uh, you know, with this bobblehead, uh, business, I sort of, and I know we're kind of wrapping up the show, but just to talk on this point really quick, my fiance 
was thought I was having a midlife crisis. My friend, my closest inner circle friends, they thought I was like losing my mind. You know, Dave, you have the successful practice that you've been doing for over a long ass time. Yeah. What do you want? You want to make bobbleheads? Right. You want to make. And then I had other friends in my in my circle, Amy, that straight laughed at me. Like not, oh Dave. No, like, oh, you god damn you what is wrong with you? You like straight laughed at me in my face. So the point I'm trying to make is that I had to ask specific people that weren't that close to me that want that had an agenda yeah. on what they thought Dave Manley should do in his life, what they thought of it. But I respected them as well. So there was there's some MMA people that I, I really respect out there that were pseudo celebrities. Uh, this one guy named Ariel Hawani. Um, I saw him from far uh, uh, at a at an event. I don't know Ariel. He's world famous, yeah. millions of followers. And I thought, and I, I was it was it was uh, about it was four years ago, International Fight Week here in Vegas. I was kicking the can down the road, thinking because I was over a hundred thousand dollars deep into this, well over that uh, in this company. I was going nowhere. I, I spent a lot of time, a lot of hours. I didn't. I thought like, oh my god. Everyone was right, Amy. Everyone was right. I may, I seriously, is this what losing your mind looks like? Is this what midlife crisis looks like, I guess? I mean, I'm in my mid-40s. I've gotten nowhere. Everyone's saying no. I'm kicking the can down the road, chin in my chest. What the fuck am I doing with my life? No one's supporting me. And I saw Ariel, and I thought, you know, he was in the VIP section. I was in the upper bowl, almost the last row of this event that we're in. And I thought, you know what? If I'm going to continue with this thing i'm gonna get to ariel yeah i waited for the security guard to look the other way in the vip area i jumped the ropes i got in the ariel's little area i waited for ariel to (laughs) to uh stop talking to the person that he was talking to i had my phone ready with the artwork on my phone and i jumped in there and i said hey ariel i know you don't know me and i want to show you something but i need you to promise me one thing i need you to shoot me straight I need you to tell me if you think this thing is cool because I'm kind of relying on this advice or whatever you say right now yeah. because I'm having a bit of a trouble. And if this thing isn't cool and you don't, you're a stranger to me and I want you to promise me that, okay? Yeah. And he says, I will tell you the truth. And I showed it to him and he's like, this is beautiful. Oh my gosh. He's like, this is beautiful. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. I love this. This oh is incredible. God, and I said, awesome. I said, I said, Ariel, because he has, he's got a show. He had a show on ESPN. He's got like things on his desk. I said, oh, okay, Ariel, I think I'm going to continue because you think that this is the other people. He's like, no, man, do you have any fighters? I don't have any fighters, Ariel. I have no, everyone's saying no. And he goes, all right, man, listen. And he says, if you get a fighter, if you get one fighter to say yes, I promise you, I will put that fighter on my desk, oh uh, my on gosh. the set. And I looked at him, my eyes were welling up. And I said, Ariel, don't fuck with me. <laughs> don't fuck with me, man. Yeah. And he said, pull out your phone. And I pulled out my phone. He gave me all his information. And he's like, go get a fighter. Two weeks later, I got up my first fighter. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And all it, my bobble, on his desk? All my bobbleheads are on his desk no, now. No, Dave. They're all on his desk now. Oh, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, yeah, you need you need the second opinion or third or fourth or fifth yes. opinion. That's kind of what I was talking about with Amy's rule number, with uh, Amy's rule number three. And to wrap it up, I love your rule number two, which is 
well, I have my own version of it, <laughs> which is closed mouths don't get fed. I think your version's it, if you don't ask, it's going to be a no or something like that. Yes. My version the is answer's it. always the, no the answer's unless all, you ask. Right. The answer is always no unless you ask. Uh, I always say closed mouths don't get fed. You, Can you imagine you, if you hadn't you, gone to him? No. You wouldn't No, be. I could just, I'd be stuck in my suit in my office, yeah. plugging away at fucking numbers all get day. Get uncomfortable, people. Uh, yeah, get yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah. Know your why. Know your worth. Pay yourself first. Life is beautiful, man. You just got to figure out what your why is, what makes you happy, and don't let anything get in your way. All right, guys, man, what a great show. Thank you so much for being on. Oh, my thank guest. you, Amy. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. All right, everyone. Again, thank you for the amazing support. I love this show. I love being on here. I love helping and inspiring. Um, and until next time, we'll see you later. <laughs>